0: My name is John Weaver. Many of you know me. For those of you who don't, my name is John Weaver. Um, I've been around our culture for 11 years. My wife and I, it's a long story. I'll share a little bit of that in a minute. But uh, um, we, we moved to Florida, back to Florida. Florida is home for us 11 years ago. And uh, for the past 10 years, over 10 years, um, I've been serving on staff here at Baylife Church. And some of you have been asking me questions. And I'm sure if you've been around for any length of time, it might be a little confusing for you because over a month ago in the bulletin, there were some job postings and one of those job postings was for a Life Groups pastor. And many of you are like, well, I thought we had a Life Groups pastor. Uh, Well, here's the deal. I want to give some explanation as to what God's been doing in my heart. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home, uh, not wanting to be a pastor. Uh, Similar story, similar track that Mark shares often. And throughout my uh, years of growing up, um, I got married when I was seven years old. Um, We just celebrated our 23-year wedding anniversary on Friday. (laughs) But through that, in my young adulthood, uh, into my marriage, um, I didn't really know what I was going to be when I grow up. And I worked various jobs. Long story, a little shorter, is um, the church that we were attending recognized something in me and offered me a ministry position just to see what God might want to be uh, doing in my life. So um, I took that opportunity and worked at this church for about a year and a half. And then four years into our marriage, um, I, I took a big, bold step and I felt that indeed God was calling to ministry. And I wanted to pursue that, so my wife and I uh, moved all of our things, including my John boat, because that was very important. Uh, we moved to southeastern Tennessee. I went to a Christian university there, pursued and, and received a bachelor's degree in, in pastoral ministry. Uh, you don't get that from USF, but you do get that from Christian universities. Um, my wife got a business administration degree, and then I, I tell people that we moved off to the foreign mission field, which was central New Jersey. So we uh, served in the foreign mission field for four years. I was a youth pastor up there. So long story short, after New Jersey, we've been here for 11 years. But all along the way, um, my joke to my wife, even, you know, in the past and, and, and in recent years, it has been, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up? Well, I can't escape the fact that God has, has called me for, you know, Ministry and that's what i've been doing But i've always had this desire to continue in that path and continue in that pursuit And i've had a desire to go back to school. So here's the deal I am no longer our life groups pastor But believe in it with all my heart and very passionate about that and will continue to preach that all of my days But i'm going to be going back to school. I'm going to be serving here in a part-time role Um, the good news is if you like me, I get to stay around Um, if you don't i'm going to pray for you that maybe i'll warm up to you um, over time but I'm going to be pursuing uh, a seminary uh, studies see if I can get my brain to work again it's been uh, many years since I've had to do anything formal in a learning setting uh, so my request of you is is to pray uh, for me and my family and to pray for our church as we are actively searching to figure out who is going to serve in this role as life groups pastor here um, but and and as mentioned you know my wife um, she not only married me, but she has been committed and faithful to me for 23 years, and and she in in our relationship has been kind of like a Barnabas to me, and I'm going to flush that out a little bit as I walk through this time here today. But Barnabas was an encourager, and my wife has been an encouragement to me in my life, and um, you know certainly the saying is behind any good man, there's a better you know woman, and she certainly is the better half. So I'm, um, very grateful for her in my life. So now that you know, uh, so you don't have to come up and ask, are you leaving? Um, I'm not leaving, but pray for me. I'm excited about Bay Life. I'm excited about what we're about as a church. We're a sending church. We send teams all over the world, missions trips and, and local trips and, and all kinds of things that we have our hand in, in in this community and around the world. And I've been, um, afforded opportunity on different occasions to go on these trips. I had a chance years ago to go to Africa, to Rwanda um, on a trip. We work even now as an organization called Alarm. As uh, Baylifers, it's called African Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries. And it's uh, to train pastors. And I had a chance to go for a week-long trip uh, to Rwanda to train pastors and give them some teaching that they don't get as easily as we get here on this side of the pond. And then most recently, uh, this summer, if you've never been on a middle school trip, I would recommend that. Uh, I had an opportunity to go with my, my oldest son, who's 13. It was a, um, My assignment was eighth grade boys. I had my own team. My son wasn't a part of my team. But we worked with an organization called Week of Hope. And our assignment that particular week, is there was a lot of um, us, us kids from our church, but there were some kids from other churches, And we would have assignments or tasks or missions that we would go out throughout the week and and minister. And my particular team, our assignment, was basically going to a daycare for older people with dementia and Alzheimer's. They didn't live there, they weren't residents, but they would come for the day. And it was just such a joy for us to be able to minister to those folks. And and, um, some people might say, well, you know, They don't even remember that you were there, you know. What kind of difference are you making? Well, here's the deal. We got to love them in the name of Jesus. We got to love on the workers that week in the name of Jesus and maybe lighten their load a little bit and encourage them. Um, and, And in addition to that, more than we could ever do for people on a trip to Africa or to Orlando or wherever it is, God does something unique and cool in our lives when we go and serve in that way. Well, here's the deal. We're a sending church. We do it all the time. We just commissioned a group last night that's going to go up to a camp in Ocala, you know, for foster kids and and, uh, kids who don't get a lot of the opportunities that we get. And they're going to come back and hopefully in a few years be able to offer that type of a camp here in Brandon. But oftentimes we view missions as something that you do, like something that you put on the calendar. You sign up for a trip and and then you go and and you're a missionary and you uh, maybe share Jesus or you extend the love of Christ in practical ways. God certainly uses us in that way, but that's an erroneous view because God has called all of us to serve and to go and to teach and to share Jesus wherever we go and in whatever we're doing. But oftentimes we don't view ourselves that way because We have a faulty mentality that if I could just get my unsaved friend to the church, the church is going to teach them to save them, to disciple them. Or if I could just get my uh, spouse or my son or whoever it is to the pastor, the pastor will be able to fix them. That's an erroneous view. Because the same Holy Spirit that works in me and in Mark and every one of us who speak here and work here is the same Holy Spirit that is at work in you. And that wants to work through you. Through you. Back in my college days, uh, since I was married at 7, 4 years old, so I was about 11 years old. Um, <laughs> I met a homeless man. And it's not unusual to meet a homeless man. But what was unusual about this instance was this homeless man was about my age. and It was unusual for me to see a young man on the streets. And I um, engaged him and started talking to him. And I would see him on a regular basis. When this town where I went to school there was a lot of churches There was a lot of big churches And one of these big churches I had a friend that basically I grew up with and went to camp with And he worked at this big church and I went to him to this big church because I was trying to seek out some help for this homeless man. And I went and talked to my friend Said hey, here's the situation um, I was wondering if the church could help him, you know with something and to my Amazement, they says, there's, there's nothing that we can do to help him. Now don't bash on the church because here's what God did in my heart. I walked away from that and I felt uh with with all of my heart that God was telling me, John, you're the church. What are you gonna do for him? What I want us to understand here this morning is we are the church. Those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ, we are the church, and as a result. There are things that God has called us to do in this life, not just going to church, not just going on missions trips, but God wants us to be the church wherever we are. We are the church. Here's the deal. Many of us who've been around church understand that there's a great commission that we've been called to. And Mark mentioned this a few weeks back in his talk, but I just want to read it again, Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. And this is what it says. And surely, here's the good news for us guys, even today, thousands of years later, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's, here's here's an observation. This wasn't the small suggestion. It was the great commission as believers, as disciples to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. There's been a slogan around here for a long time. Be one, make one. And we've more clearly defined what our mission is around here. We exist to surrender to God as He makes disciples through us here and around the world. But oftentimes, if we're honest, that's just a slogan. That's just something we recite on a weekend at a service. That's something we see in the print or when people visit the website. It's got to be more than just words in our life for us to be a part of the mission that God's called us to do. How are we doing with that? How are you doing with that? And when I ask these questions, you've got to understand that I've been wrestling with these questions all week. And the Lord has really been you know, beating me up over this. So don't feel condemnation for me. I'm, I'm in the same boat with all of you. How are we doing with that and making disciples? Here's what I want us to understand today. God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. By the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, just this opportunity that we have here today um, to worship you, and worship has gone forth, and an opportunity now to open up your word, and God, I... As Mark often prays, Lord, certainly just pray that you would help me to get out of the way, and that you and your message, God, would go forth and penetrate our hearts here today. God, if we're Christians and and all of what that word means, and if if we profess you, God, it's got to be more than just fire insurance. God, help us to be on task to what you've called us to as disciples. God, I just pray that you would reveal to us your word, that you would open up your word to us today, and that we would hear, God, what it is that you want us to hear. God, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, throughout the summer, we've picked up on a series that Mark started before, but we've been walking through the book of Acts, and gosh, if you don't read the book of Acts, there's so much in the book of Acts where you see that God is at work it's just a good reminder that God not only was at work a couple thousand years ago in the work of his church, but God still is at work today. And we've visited these stories, started out the summer with Stephen, and he was basically connecting the Old Testament to Jesus, but the religious folks didn't want to have anything to do with that, and they stoned him to death. And then we learned about Simon the sorcerer. And he had powers to do things that was not of God. It was of the enemy. But he gave his life to Christ. But when he saw the power that was associated with the Holy Spirit, he offered to buy it. And he was rebuked and says, you can't buy the Spirit's power. And then Philip, he came across a eunuch. Um, That word eunuch is a sermon for another day. But uh, anyway, um, he came across this eunuch who was reading through the book of Isaiah and he was wondering uh, as to what this was meaning, meaning and Philip explained the gospel to him and he was saved and he was baptized down the river. And then we saw this, this horrendous man who oversaw the stoning of Stephen Saul. We saw him being converted on a road to Damascus in a very demonstrative way. And then he went to the town and Ananias was called to go and pray for Saul. And he was a little apprehensive at first because Saul had a reputation of being a murderer But he prayed for Saul and and like scales fell from his eyes. And then from there, uh, Saul um, began to preach. And then there was this man named Barnabas that we're going to land on a little bit more today. Um, Barnabas vouched for Saul. and Barnabas was an encourager. And then we saw Peter um, healing the paralyzed man and also praying for a woman who was dead. And she was raised back to life. And then Peter the dreamer, uh, Mark had the sheet out here, and Peter had the dream about the sheet coming down and there being all kinds of animals that came down on that sheet. And then the Jewish culture, those were unclean animals. And that happened three times. And basically the picture there is God was telling Peter that what I deem as clean is clean. That goes for food, but that also, more importantly, goes for people. There are no Jews and Gentiles. The gospel is for all men. And then Cornelius, the centurion, as Jerry uh, explained more about that last week, the Gentile who God was working in his life and had an encounter with Peter and he came to the faith in Christ as well. And it leads us to where we are today. And again, I say God is still at work to build his church in the day in which we live. Today we'll see how God used ordinary people to do amazing things in the church in Antioch in Acts chapter eleven, that's where our text is today. Acts chapter eleven, verse nineteen through thirty. But right before we read that, let's just uh, quickly uh, flash back. So Satan, he he devises this plan. The gospel is going forth through the uh, preaching of the gospel, and Stephen is a, is an anointed man of God. And Satan devises this plan, man. I gotta have this guy killed, man. I gotta put a stop to this. So how did that work? The killing of Stephen. Well let's read on. Acts chapter 7. uh, Well there's the stoning of Stephen. Um, It's believed that the stoning of Stephen. Happened around AD 35. So it's approximately. uh, Five years or so. After the death and resurrection of Christ. So here we are in Acts chapter 8. Verse 1. uh, Portion of uh, verse 1. It says on that day. A great persecution broke out. Against the church at Jerusalem. People were being killed. And all, this is very important, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So ordinary people were scattered all about the land. In Acts chapter 8 verse 4, this is what it says. Those who had been scattered, ordinary men, not the apostles, those who had been scattered, preached the word wherever they went. Take that, Satan. How'd that work out for you in stopping the move and the spread of the gospel? And then uh, here we are in Acts chapter 11, verse 19. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia. Phoenicia was this region north of Jerusalem, uh, northern Israel, uh, uh, Lebanon, and ancient uh, Syria in that region just north. Um, And then there was Cyprus last night. Apparently I said that Cyprus was in the Caribbean. Uh, It's not in the Caribbean. It's in the Mediterranean. It's an island out in the Mediterranean. And um, Antioch, which was even further north, about 300 miles uh, north of Jerusalem, speaking the word to no one except Jews. That's interesting. They spoke the word to no one but Jews. So We have to understand that this is um, around A.D. 43. This is about eight years after the stoning of Stephen. So some time had uh, um, um, passed. But here we are in Antioch. Antioch was about, as I mentioned, 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Estimated to be about half a million people that resided in that area. It was the third largest um, city in the Roman Empire. Only being third to Rome and Alexandria. Alexandria was... Uh, in the northern part um, of Africa near Cairo, Egypt. Uh, it was a major trade route between Rome and Asia and India. It was a, a very uh, cosmopolitan place. There was a lot happening there. But here's uh, more than anything what it was known for. It was known to be a vile city, uh, very uh, paganistic, very sinful. I mean, anything went uh, in, in Antioch. Just five miles from the city, there was a... Um, Um, A major cult center where the Greek goddess Daphne and and also Apollo was worshipped. There were um, ritual prostitution in the temple worship. There was gross immorality. It was just a very dirty place. And it's believed that it was so vile that it was even impacting Rome, which was 1,300 miles away. I mean, this is the worst of the worst places. But this is where Antioch was, and this is where people started to speak. But it says they spoke to Jews only. Now, some habits are hard to break. Now, why do they speak to Jews only? Maybe they didn't get the memo about Peter's vision and that the gospel was for all men. Um, um, maybe it was just because that's where they were most comfortable, you know, associating with people that were, were more like them. So how often do we just associate with the people that are most like us? It's interesting, in my reading this week, I came across a quote that says, It's interesting, all of Jesus' life, he spent seeking out the people who were the least. All of his life, he sought those people out. But contrary to that, in our lives, oftentimes we spend our whole life avoiding the people that we like the least. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that challenging on some level? God wants us to share beyond just the people who are comfortable to us. Verse 20, it says, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Cyrene is also from the uh, northern part um, of Africa who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. So the Hellenists there... Uh, simply there's different references that explain them different ways. They were referred to as the Greek-speaking Jews uh, or some translations just refer to them as the Greeks where other translations refer to them as Gentiles, people who were not the chosen ones or whatever. So uh, there were some people that came in and started spreading this gospel to more than just the Jews. They started branching that message out to anyone who would listen. It brings us to verse 21. And the hand Of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. It's interesting, this was a church plant. I mean, you could call it that. But in our culture, when, you know, strategists get together and you go to conferences and all these things, when you think about a church plant, you think about getting the most gifted speaker, um, and you you connect them with a a very uh, gifted um, musician and then you, you figure out just an ideal meeting space and you make everything just right. And I'm not saying that God doesn't use those things to bring people into the kingdom. But that's not at all what is happening here. Ordinary people were sharing the gospel with ordinary people. And a great number of people came to the Lord. And that, that phrase right there in that verse, it says, the hand of the Lord. That simply could be understood as the power of the Lord. Um, there 's a reference to this in a similar way in the Gospel of Mark um, verse six or chapter sixteen verses fifteen through twenty. It says he said to them, "Go into all the world." this is basically another um, 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 version of the Great Commission, but it 's said a little differently uh, through a different author. It says, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all um, creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned." And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. I don't recommend that. Um, They will drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out. And preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So you can see the hand of the Lord, the power of the Lord was at work in Antioch, and, and you can imagine that there were some demonstrative things that were happening. There were some people that were being healed, there were some things that were unexplainable uh, that could only be explained by the power of, Lord, of the Lord at work there. Now, I don't know about you, but myself as a pastor, there have been times that I've spoken to people and it's just been words. But then there's other times that I've been sitting with people and I hear myself talking, but it's almost as if I'm sitting next to myself. And I know that I know that I know that that didn't come from me. That came from the Holy Spirit. And that's the way the Spirit works sometimes. That's the way God works sometimes. Is if we could just get out of the way, God, because He's God, can do things through us that we don't think is even possible in and of ourselves. The believers in Antioch walked with the Holy Spirit anointing in their lives. That same Holy Spirit anointing is available to us. There is nothing special about, or any powers that a pastor has that you don't have yourself. God is at work in us God is at work in you. Verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So word had gotten back to the original church, the mother church, the apostles was hearing that there was something exciting going on in Antioch. So they sent this guy Barnabas. So who's Barnabas? I talked a a little earlier that my wife and my life has been a Barnabas to me. Well, earlier in the book of Acts chapter 4, it kind of introduces who this guy is. uh, Chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. It says, Now a full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and and no one said that any of The things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And Cindy earlier in her announcement referenced Acts chapter 2. There were some similar things that were happening there. There was just God's blessings was happening among his people. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, you could interpret that or understand that as great blessings uh, was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Not one needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as he had need. Thus, Joseph, here's Barnabas, Joseph, who was also called um, the apostles, uh, by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, um, a Levite, a native of Cyprus in the island in the Mediterranean, not the Caribbean, um, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what we see first of all is, is Barnabas was a generous man. He saw uh, needs in the body of believers. He sold a piece of property that was his. And he says here for the ministry and, and, and for the people as the apostles would choose and see fit. Secondly, uh, later, you know, we saw earlier, um, weeks previous, that Barnabas was an encourager to Saul. You know, Saul had been saved, he had turned his life around, but he still had this reputation. How many of you have ever come to faith in Christ, but your reputation kind of still lingered for some time? And it took some time for, you know, you to be known as something different than who you used to be? Well, Barnabas saw this, and he saw that it was important for for Saul uh, to to be accepted uh, among the disciples, uh, the apostles. So he went alongside of him and said, hey, you know, I've seen what happened uh, in his life. He had this conversion experience. This is what he's been doing. This is who he is. Who are you coming alongside of in your life and vouching for them? Who are you coming alongside of in your life to encourage them? And it brings us to verse 23. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. When he came and saw the grace... Sorry. For he was... The next one, verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added... To the Lord. So, as a result of the encouragement, as a result of what's going on, a great number of people were added to the Lord. As believers, um, imagine if you've not been walking with the Lord for a while, or just think back to your testimony as to when that conversion happened in your life. Um, isn't it so important to have encouragement around you in the Lord to to continue to walk out what God's called you to? You know, at first you're excited and you're energetic and you're uh, on top of the world and and the enemy's never going to be able to tempt you or anything like that. But then you go back to work and you associate with the people that you always associate with and you start doing all the things that you normally do. But we've got to have people like Barnabas in our lives to continue to encourage us in, in our relationship with the Lord. We can't discount the importance of encouragement in our lives. When I think about encouragement and who have been encouraging in my life. You know, my wife certainly is at the top of that list. For over 23 years we've been in covenant relationship with each other in marriage. But, you know, through through work and through all the questions of, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up and and um, the good times and the bad times, she has always been my number one fan wives. I'm just telling you. The most powerful tool that you have in your relationship with your husband is the encouragement that you can bring him be an encouragement to your husband who are you encouraging in the lord who are you cheering on so aside from my spouse there's certainly other people in my life i think about cindy you know she gave the announcement today but she's been a great friend to me in ministry in the trenches You know, oftentimes people have this idea, you work at a church and you're always singing hymns and you're reading psalms and having Bible studies three times a day. And it's like the bathroom doesn't even stink. Well, let let me just tell you, that's just not true. We're just regular people like everybody else. And we need encouragement in the workplace. But beyond that, personal friends in my life, I think about Kevin. I think about Ben and opportunity recently to be able to spend time, focused time with, with Ben and Kevin in a campground, encouraging one another in the Lord, sharing dreams and passions and goals and being able to just encourage each other in that way. It's so important to have those types of people in your life. It's so important for you to be that type of person in someone else's life. So yeah, at Bay Life Church, Life Groups Pastor is not my title. But I'm just telling you, in a culture like ours, there is no better place to have these types of relationships than, than to be connected in a life group. I will always preach that message until the day that I die. The relationships and the encouragement and the growth and the depth that takes place in a life group is like none other. I encourage you guys. Life is busy. I get it. But you do what you want to do. You really do. I would encourage you today to get a catalog, to get connected, to do something a little differently this semester than you've done before. Be a Barnabas to others. Pray that God would send you some Barnabases in your life. Verse 25 says, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. So um, there's more. Verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So there's a few interesting things here uh, that I want to just pull out. First of all, when people come to faith in Christ, you're not done with them. You have to figure out a plan and a strategy to come alongside those people to rally some other people around these people so that they can be discipled in the Lord. It's irresponsible to help somebody come into the kingdom and then just turn them loose. They showed great responsibility and care as, they, as Barnabas sought out Saul and they came around these believers to disciple them. They were there with them for a year discipling these young believers But also, it's the first time in Scripture um, that that it shows that believers were called Christians. And that's not a term that they um, came up with for themselves. That's something that other people saw in them and says, Hey, these are the, the ones belonging to Christ. These are the ones that are identified with Christ. Now, I know oftentimes in our culture, we associate ourselves as being Christians. But what do the people you work with say that you are? What do the people that you work with, what, what, what would a title that be that they would give you? We have to understand that, yeah, we're heralding Christ, but not just on Sundays. It needs to happen in our lives all throughout the week. And I'm briefly um, just going to walk through verse 27. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, anytime you see um, came down from Jerusalem, even though Antioch was 300 miles north of Jerusalem, you got to understand that Jerusalem was just high in elevation. And when you left Jerusalem, you were going down to anywhere you went, whether it was north, south, east, or west. So, so you go down from Jerusalem, you go up to Jerusalem. So that's an explanation there. Verse 20, verses 28. And one of them named Agabus, say that fast ten times, Agabus, uh, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. And there's more, gosh. Gosh. Uh, So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, that's very important, guys, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Now that's a sermon in and of itself, and I can't really camp out there for a long time, but let me just bring out this one truth. The original church, Jews, right? God's people, God's chosen people. And the Jews, as Jerry uh, mentioned, and you've heard throughout the series, the Jews didn't associate with who? The Gentiles predominantly this church in Antioch was a Gentile church taking up an offering to send back to who the Jewish church the mother church and that would have spoke great volumes to the church in Jerusalem as believers um, we need to be generous to see the needs that are around us and be able to minister to those needs. So you say, hey, John, you know, I don't know anybody who was stoned, like with rocks. Um, I don't know anybody who's persecuted in that way. I mean, periodically in our culture, you see some craziness happening. I'm not discounting that. There are some crazy things that happen in our culture. But in, in terms of the same type of persecution, we don't see that on a day in and day out basis here. What does is, what is all of this have to do with me? Well, here's what it has to do with us. All the more, because we're not being persecuted in the same way, you know, our persecution, we would say, oh, you know, they didn't want to hear about what I had to say about Jesus. I got my feelings hurt. I mean, that really is the persecution that oftentimes we associate with. But all the more, because we're not under that same type of persecution, we need to be sharing Jesus in our workplaces and in our playplaces and wherever you find yourself. I've asked Paul Humphreys, he's going to join me out on stage because I've been watching him uh, from afar. And again, back to missions trips at the beginning of my talk, you know, w- we have this this view that that only you can only serve God on trips or you know, if you're a pastor or if you work at a church. Well, Paul is, he's more than a regular guy, but he's a regular guy. He works a regular job, and I just want him to share what God is doing um, through you in your workplace. So what, what does that look like? Well, circumstances, uh, not persecution, but uh,
1: from some of uh, the problems that we were dealing with. And this passage of Scripture has been kind of a guiding principle that I'd like to read to you. It's from John chapter 4, and it immediately follows his encounter with the Samaritan woman. And he says to his disciples, you have a saying Four more months till harvest, but I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready for harvest now. And God began to show me that there were people um, that I was situated around in this cubicle atmosphere now that uh, may never make it to church. They may never uh, come as, uh, you know, they're invited to attend church, but. Uh, I have an opportunity to take the church to them Monday through Friday. I've been with this company for, it be 16 years, actually, on August the 23rd, and um, over the course of time, we've had the opportunity to launch a workplace Bible study. We have a, a great team of um, uh, godly believers that, that help share in that responsibility, and every Thursday at 12 o'clock, we're able to open the Word of God, we're able to encourage each other, and we've seen... People come that have never been to may never come to a church on Thursdays, but they're interested in scripture who have come to faith in Christ, and we now encourage them to go back to their workplaces uh, to their work area to their departments, and share the faith that we all know and hold so dear
0: yeah part of you know what've <laughs> part of what i 've observed um, in what God's doing in your life um, is, as I see you as a Barnabas, just encouraging other folks in the Lord. So, so how are you as an encourager, encouraging those that you work with uh, in the Lord, and you know to stay true to what He's called them to do? Well, we,
1: what we've done is what every uh, wise person does in the age of social media. We started a Facebook page, and uh, the shirt that I'm wearing, and you, you saw some pictures of uh, an event that we had that kind of grew out of our workplace Bible study, uh, I, would en- I would encourage you to visit our Facebook page at Servants Church. Uh, you might see some people around Baylife actually wearing these shirts. We're not leaving. It's not a campus that we're starting somewhere. It's just simply encouraging believers. We post Monday through Friday uh, a verse with some encouragement that let's have the attitude, uh, not that the world has, of thank God it's Friday, Let's have the attitude as believers, thank God it's Monday, that we get, a, we get the opportunity to take what we heard from godly men and women up here on, on the weekends and take it uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, like John was saying, and influence our workplace. Uh, something exciting that has grown out of um, these Facebook posts and the people that follow us, there seemed to be a thirst and a hunger for people to come together Uh, believers from the workplace, not led by any pastor, but just believers coming together. And we've started these concerts of prayer. We had our first one on May the 1st next door. Uh, Baylife was uh, gracious to host us for free. And uh, we brought believers from every denomination and, and workplaces around the area. We had about 90 people show up. And we came for the specific reason of worship and prayer specifically for what our mission is in the workplace. Out of that, uh, a pastor from a, uh, a church downtown was there and um, was so moved by it that they've invited us to come to their church on October the second. I would invite you all to come um, to the First Baptist Church of College Hill. I'm going to get an opportunity to preach that evening about the importance of the of the church being mobile in the workplace.
0: Good. Let's give Paul a hand, guys. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. God is building his church. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Here's an interesting fact that I'm going to leave you with. Who would have thought that Satan's plan to use Saul to oversee Stephen's death would lead to the birth of the church that one day would be sending Paul out on missionary journeys? God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things by the power of the Holy Spirit. For the glory of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I know that uh, we're not ordinary because, you know, for those of us who have put our faith in you, that makes us extraordinary, that makes us alive, that, that sets us apart. And God, because we're set apart, um, we, we have to be on mission, the Great Commission, not the little suggestion, but the Great Commission in our workplaces, in our play places, wherever we go. And oftentimes, we're just doing time in life, and we're looking forward to Friday, and we're looking forward to retirement, and we can't wait for vacation, and we're so focused on all these things that have no eternal um, impact. God, help us to be eternally focused. By your Spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you're new, I'd love to chat with you over here in the corner. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Be sure to grab a Life Groups catalog and, oh yeah, Krispy Kreme donuts on your way out.